0: You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Who's ready to dive into the word? Good. Hey, real quick, uh, I do wanna uh, thank uh, someone here today. Uh, So we have uh, Wayne Bryant here. He didn't know I was gonna announce him. Um, But he is our catalyst for our denomination. He oversees 300 churches in Southwest Florida. um, And they've been instrumental in helping our church recover from the hurricane. Um, They gave us uh, some finances right off the bat when the hurricane first hit. um, And it's just been a blessing. So I just wanna thank you. We couldn't do this without you guys and your support. So thank you guys. And I have an awesome opportunity to invite my friend up here, Lewis Zemont. You come on. Uh, Lewis and I did ministry together, what seems like eons ago, uh, over ten years ago. We served at Summit Church together. Uh, we led middle school and high school ministry, and it was uh, such a blessing. And. Over the last few years, uh, God has given us uh, an amazing friendship, uh, and so I'm thankful for how he pours into my life. If you're always wondering, like, who's caring for your pastor's heart and soul, Lewis is one of those guys, uh, and they've been attending FMCC for over a year now or almost so, two, yeah. almost two years, yeah. um, and uh, he uh, is on one of our Shepherd Aspire groups, so he is uh, learning and growing what it means to be uh, a leader within the body of Christ, and so... I am honored to sit under his teaching. Uh, so guys, would you welcome Lewis Zamont. Thank you. thank you.
1: Well, thank you very much, Bill. Um, as Bill said, uh, my name is Louis. Uh, my wife, Katie, and I have been married for going on 14 years this year. Uh, we have uh, three awesome boys, uh, Grayson, Liam, and Shepard. Um, Katie leads in our women's ministry And uh, I have the distinct pleasure of volunteering and leading in our uh, youth ministry. So I just want to say, if you're in this room uh, and you are between, you know, 6th and 12th grade and you're not coming out on Wednesday night, uh, you're missing out. Because we have uh, the greatest community of students um, I've ever seen. And uh, it is an absolute joy to be there every Wednesday with them. And and those guys here and girls know who they are. Um, But you should come out and and join that because uh, God's doing something there and you don't want to miss that. Uh, some other things, something you should know about me as we get started. Um, I'm a bit of a quirky guy. Uh, I can be a little reserved, but as you get to know me, you know, things come out a little bit. Uh, but I do want you to know, like, my favorite show. I think that's really important. It tells a lot about somebody when you know their favorite show. My favorite show is The Price is Right. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I didn't, that was not, no, my favorite show is The Price is Right. There's something about that show. It's maybe the screaming, the chaos, the... I don't know, when Bob Barker did it, he had a bit of an edge towards his last years. He would tell people to hurry up. I just loved all of that. Something about that show that just, if it's it's a weekday, 12, uh, 11 a.m., and I happen to be at home, which is never, I'm watching Price is Right. I don't know know what you're doing. I'm drinking black coffee and watching Price is Right, because that is where it's at right there. And one of the best games that they play on Price is Right, anyone, anyone take a guess? Plinko, right, Plinko, no, it's not, I get it, I understand, I understand why Plinko would be your favorite game, but honestly, they're just dropping a chip, and we just, what is it, we just want to see the chip fall, I mean, no, that's not the best game, the best game in The Price is Right has to be Cliffhanger, yes, Yes, thank you, got a whole front row over here, Cliffhanger, you got this yodel man, he's climbing up this mountain, you got to tell him to stop, if you don't tell him to stop, he falls over the edge. He yodels? I mean, if you're not in love with the yodel man because he yodels, I don't know what, what you're in love with. This guy, this guy knows what he's doing. But there's something interesting about uh, the yodel man and this mountain that he climbs. I'm not much of a mountain climber. Like, I don't wanna fool you up here because I don't know much about mountain climbing. I think I've uh, maybe trudged a, a mountain climbing experience one time uh, in the small mountains of Puerto Rico. Um, and I, say, I say I mountain climb there a bit of a stretch. I think we made it maybe 100 feet, and we were like, is the air getting thin? I feel like we should maybe head back. I don't want to, you know, I'm not prepared for this. Uh, but here's what I can tell you. When we did this, when we climbed this small mountain in Puerto Rico, climbed, uh, when we walked around this path, uh, <laughs> there, were, there were winds. You know, we took some winding paths. We, 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 you know, took steps down. We took steps up. We had to uh, overcome some obstacles to keep making our way up through this base of the mountain, and uh, it didn't look anything like that. Like, if anyone has is a hiker or a climber of some sort, like, you know, that's, that's a stretch for a mountain right there, but it's still the best game. Something else you should know about me, and maybe everyone can relate to this, I'm not sure, we'll see, uh, is, is I've, I've made some pretty serious mistakes. I made some pretty bad mistakes uh, throughout the years. And, and, you know, for a young guy like me, um, I was going to stand up here and tell you what those were, but it was like, you only have 35 minutes, so maybe don't. Uh, So I'm not gonna do that, but uh, I made some pretty bad mistakes. And I will say that one of the worst mistakes I've made, especially as a Christian, is that I've assumed uh, and expected of my life to look very much like the Yodel Man's Mountain. That I would, that my progression towards holiness and righteousness would be this straight line, flat and up and to the right. And man, I don't know about you, but that has not been the case. All right, can you relate? Yeah, I think so as well. And so that's really what we're gonna be looking at today is this, this expectation and what it looks like to actually walk this Christian faith that we have, that it's not a straight line, and what it is instead. So we're gonna be in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. We're gonna be in verses one through eight. So as you turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, one through eight, I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us while you do that. Heavenly Father, we're so, so grateful that we serve a loving and and gracious God like you, um, that we can come to this place in freedom, that we can worship, that we can praise, that we can live in community with one another because you you pour out your love on us first. And so as we open up your word today, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, um, that these wouldn't be the words of man, but the words of a loving God. Be with us now, amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through eight. Why don't I go ahead and read that to us. It says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, who gives us his Holy Spirit. Amen. We're not gonna be uh, spending a whole lot of time in in all of this passage this morning. I do wanna call us back to uh, verse three. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality. Now, we're not gonna be focusing on sexual morality. This isn't a, a Sunday morning on that topic. Uh, the, the reality is, what Paul is is writing to uh, this church here is is because uh, in that time, in this in this group of people of faith, uh, sexual morality was uh, wasn't seen as as, a, as such a terrible thing. It was part of life. It was just how they lived. And Paul is calling out to them, Hey, this this isn't part of your Christian life anymore. Turn away from that. And today, in our society, that obviously isn't a thing anymore, right? Uh, No, it is, I get it, it is a thing. Uh, But we know, as a body, we know that sexual morality is is a sin, and is something to turn away from. But the reality is in a room like this, that's not everyone's story. That's not everyone's issue. What I wanna focus on today is, if Paul was your best friend, and Paul was so excited about your faith, and he was proud of your faith, and he was telling other people about your faith and what God was doing in your heart, What would he say to you, like he said to this church? You you can almost fill in the blank. For this is God's will for you, church, your name, your sanctification, that you would turn away from, fill in the blank. It can be a tough task for some of us. I know for me, uh, it's not always easy to fill in that blank. I need some help, Uh, sometimes, Sometimes my wife fills in the blank for me and she is gracious enough to tell me so. Um, She is. And other times uh, I see the consequences of my actions and then the blank just fills in itself. So take a moment. This This is God's will for you, church. Your sanctification that you would turn away from. What fills in that blank for you? For some of us, we might, we might really be struggling filling in that blank. Some of us, we've already got it. I mean, before you sat down, you read it, and you were like, I already know what that is. Uh, for some of us, it maybe it's greed, maybe it's pride, maybe it's anger, maybe it's deceit, maybe it's gossip. me fill in your blank. Maybe it's, maybe it's all of them, all of the above. But if we're struggling, we're struggling to fill in this blank. It could be, it could be for a couple of reasons. We're probably missing. We're missing the key to all of this, which is sanctification. And so let's define that. Let's define sanctification. Sanctification is the broken sinner. You and me, all of us here, the broken sinner progressively becoming more and more like Christ. The broken sinner progressively becoming more and more like Christ. And so if we're struggling, to fill in our blank, we might be struggling with some parts of that definition. So if we're struggling with some parts of that definition, maybe we're struggling with the the fact that we're broken sinners, Maybe in our hearts we forget that we're broken sinners, that, that yes, we were broken and we were in desperate need of Christ's uh, sacrifice until we met him. And then as we've come to know him, we expected our life to look like Mr. Yodelman over there who just walks straight up and to the right. And if that's the case, if we've missed out on broken sinners that we are in desperate need of a savior even today, even as mature or new Christians, we might struggle with perfectionism. That word can, can make me feel uncomfortable. It might make you feel a little uncomfortable that you would talk about perfectionism because you know that that might be you. And I'm not talking about perfectionism in the, in the sense of work. Sure, we, you know... We strive for excellence and some people do strive for perfection in their work and oftentimes, in my view, that can lead to, I don't know, not getting anything done because nothing's gonna be perfect, right? I'm talking about perfectionism in the sense of our righteousness. We're pursuing this perfect life that is without sin. And so we forget that we're broken sinners. See, perfectionism looks at Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and it sees it as incomplete. It forgets that Jesus looked down and said, "'It is finished.'" Perfectionism might look at, or hear what Jesus said, and, and instead of hearing it as finished, they might hear something like, "'It is loosened up for you.'" "'It is gotten started for you.'" "'It is almost there.'" Uh, for some of us, we might think, "'It is finished.'" for everyone except me. And so I need to fill in this gap that for some reason, somehow, Jesus could not fill for me. The the foolish thing about perfection is that we believe that we can attain a level of perfection that Christ has already achieved for us. And so we miss the fact that we're broken sinners in need of a savior. And so we struggle with, I can do it all by myself. Maybe that's you. I know it's me, oftentimes. I know I, I forget that I'm still in need of a savior. Maybe that fills in your blank. Maybe it is perfection. Maybe it's pride. A heart of perfection is pride, oftentimes. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, none of that applies. I, I recognize I'm a broken sinner. Because, you know, there are some people out there, and I, I fall into this, where, you know, we've really embraced our brokenness. Almost a little too much. You know, like we, we know we're broken, and so it is what it is. It's kind of, we'll call that apathy. We've grown apathetic towards our own sin. Yeah, I know, I know lying is, I know it's a sin, it's bad, but what's the big deal? It's kind of, that's who I am. You know, I just kind of get around things with a little little lie. I know that gossip, I know that, that, that the Bible strictly talks about gossip and, and how dangerous it is, but it's just, that's just part of me. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I know that he died for me. It's part of me. He's forgiven me of it. That's just who I am. That's really what he, I mean, if I don't gossip, if I'm not falling into some kind of sin, what did he die for? I know it sounds crazy, but that's what we say in our apathetic hearts. We stand back and we say, you know what, it it is who I am. And we're living in a culture today where we're called to embrace ourselves. We're called to be more of ourselves. We're called to be unashamedly, uh, fearlessly us. I just, I've never seen that in scripture. I've never seen God's word tell us, hey, you be you, Girlfriend. The call in Scripture is to be more like Christ. I should want to be less like myself. If I'm trying to be myself, I bring nothing. I bring nothing but filthy rags. I bring nothing but emptiness and need to be filled by Jesus himself. So I should be bringing more of Christ and less of myself. But apathy, apathy likes to make those Exchanges. It's who I am. Jesus forgives me. I know he forgives me. Apathy looks at the sacrifice of Jesus and it completely forgets the weight of sin. We look at those nails being driven into his hands and we forget that sin did that. We look at the crown of thorns beaten onto his head and forget that. My sin did that. We, we look at the beating, the mockery, how he got spit on. My sin did that. That's the big deal. If it wasn't a big deal, he'd be crazy to do any of it. And yet in our apathetic hearts, we look and we say, Oh, he forgives me, that's the big deal. Ouch, man, that would hurt. So let's, let's not, let's not look to the cross in apathy. Let's not look to the cross and forget the weight of it. See, both of these things, perfectionism, apathy, they look at, they look at the cross, they look at the sacrifice of Jesus, they recognize that yes, he lived perfectly. He died a sinner's death that I deserved, Absolutely. And in that, he gives me eternal life with God forever in his glory. Perfection says, but i got to fill in some blanks there. And apathy says, isn't that great? Now I can go on sinning. I don't think that's what Jesus said to the woman uh, who was accused of committing adultery. He told her to get up and sin no more. The, the scary thing about uh, both of these things is that when you're trying to not be apathetic and you realize, man, I, you know the, the weight of sin is great. That's a huge offense to a mighty and holy God. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta rid myself. We might, we might just swing the pendulum the other way and run right to perfectionism. Or if we're trying to get away from perfectionism, we say, you know what, I I really can't do it on my own. There's no way that I can pay for any of my sins. It's it's ridiculous I even thought that. The pendulum then swings the other way to, well, so I guess, what do I do instead? But the pendulum stops right in the middle. And it it brings us to sanctification. It brings us to what Paul is calling this church. And, and, And in so doing, the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, which is to turn away from that sin. See, sanctification, broken sinners, you and me progressively becoming more like Christ, does this, sanctification allows us to see our sin, lay down our pride, recognize the weight of our sin, and run to a loving Father in confession. It doesn't make excuses, it doesn't justify, it it, it doesn't rationalize, it doesn't forget the way. No, it recognizes sin, it fully sees sin for what it is, the offense of sin, the, the reason that Jesus had to come down from heaven in the first place. It recognizes all of that and it says, I am broken. I do need Jesus. He did die for a reason. It sees the offense, it sees the weight of sin that the gospel really is offensive because the gospel looks us straight in our eyes and it says, you can't do it. That's too heavy. You're incapable of doing it. And sanctification leads us to run to our father, literally run and leaping into his lap and saying, oh God, I've... I have fallen short. You know, when you've said, Lord, that all have fallen short of the glory of God, I'm part of that. You know, when you said that no one is righteous, no, not one, I'm part of that. And when Jesus was taking on himself the penalty for sin, I'm part of that. You know what God says? He says, well, at least you tried. No, God God takes us and he goes, man, what's the big deal? It's done, right? I've already done it, don't don't worry about it. No, he doesn't say that either. God tells us in 1 John 1, 9, he says, you know what? You've come to me in this confession. I am faithful and I am just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I am faithful. I said I would do it, so I'm gonna do it. I am just. I have the power and ability to do it, to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all the unrighteousness that comes with it. You don't have to rationalize. You don't have to justify. You don't have to blame somebody else for it. You don't have to act like it's not a big deal. I have wiped you clean. Sanctification allows us to see that. And so sanctification allows us to see what fills in that blank and and not shy away from it. If you're sitting here right now and you're looking at this blank spot that you've filled in, uh, maybe it's one word, maybe it's several words. I just want to remind you right now that, that the fact that you've been able to fill that in, the fact that you've been awakened to something like that, that's God's grace. That is, that is God's loving grace on your life to allow you to see what it is that stands in between you and enjoying God's glory. We walk into a room like this and we're called to uh, you know, uncover from the depths of our hearts the very things that we want no one to see, and that could be very uncomfortable. But the reality is That's God's grace to see that. And if you're struggling still to fill in the blank, please maybe look to someone next to you. (laughs) It's there. And God's grace allows us to see it. And God's grace allows us to deal with it. And God's grace says, you are forgiven because I love you. And instead of trying to be more like you, instead of trying to, to be fearlessly you, I love you because you are my child. That's who you are. That's your identity, is my child. You know who else is my child, God says? Jesus is my child. And because Jesus is my child and you are my child, you are brothers and sisters of Jesus. So look like him. Jesus is the favorite. I have three kids. We don't play favorites. But you know, sometimes... Sometimes one exhibits a behavior that is holier than the other. And we try not to say, you know, why don't you act more like, it's really not what we say, but you know what? God's not afraid of that. God's not afraid of that. He's already done it. He said, you know what? Why don't you act a little bit more like Jesus? He's not calling us to be Jesus. Uh, He's not, not, as far as I have understood, not calling us to turn water into wine or Resurrect from the dead. Be like him. So I got a couple uh, things that we do. You know, we, we want to respond to this. If the Holy Spirit has awakened your heart in such a way that you've been able to fill in this blank, we want to respond to that. We want to do something about that. Because the last thing we want to do is be like the man that looks himself in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. I just wanna see what God has for us here. And so uh, the responses to all of this, it's a little different. It could could be a little different. In a room like this, there's gonna be tons of different words on on your paper. And again, I was gonna go around with a microphone and be like, so what did you do? What did you fill in? But they said that that wasn't a good idea. Um, They said that then we would all have to fill in the word lying on our paper. And so I'm not gonna do it. Uh, I would tell you that for me, it, it could be something like anger. Impatience. So I want to deal with that anger and impatience. Just like you should want to deal with your pride and and your anger and your lust and your lying and your gossip. It would be a little different for all of us, but the reality is there are some similarities. There's similarities in how we would respond to each other uh, and to our sin in this. And the first thing, honestly, is to turn away. Turn away. That in our hearts we would recognize sin for what it is, recognize the offense of sin, and that we would turn away from it. That we would have a desire in our hearts to be more like Jesus, not for the sake of being presented to others as holy, but to be presented to God as holy and blameless before him. The second response then is to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this, whoever disregards this call to sanctification, whoever disregards this call to turn away from sin, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to help you. Jesus uh, told his disciples before he left, he said, I'm leaving here, but I'm sending you a helper, one who will encourage you, one who will convict you, one who will guide you. See, we are given the Holy, if you believe in Jesus, if you are son and daughter of a holy God, he gives you the Holy Spirit. So we listen and we respond to the Holy Spirit, but how do we, how do we listen? You know, is it, do I close my eyes and think really hard and let the words scramble together or... I'm not sure. No, no, this Holy Spirit speaks a language, and we see this in Ephesians chapter 6. If you were here about a year year ago, a little more than a year ago, we, you, we spent a lot of time in Ephesians, and we ended it in Ephesians 6, where Paul goes over the armor of God, and we're, we, we're told that the spirit, the sword of the spirit, now the sword can be used as an offensive or defensive tool. We're told that the sword is the spirit of God, the, the word of of God, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You want to speak the Holy Spirit's language? It's it's here. Yeah, you'll get you'll get little tastes and glimpses and previews of it on a Sunday. You might get some some uh, nuggets here and there from a podcast. You might feel encouraged at times by the radio but the sword of the spirit is none of those things. It's, it's the word of God. If you know my son, Shep, uh, he is uh, four and a half years old. He's about this big, but his personality fills the room. Uh, he is a uh, endless joy, uh, extreme emotions. Um, and he does not stop talking. If you've had a conversation with him, I'm sorry, if you were in a hurry, because he doesn't stop. He's gonna keep going and keep talking to you, and he wants to know everything about you and tell you everything about himself. And it just doesn't—he doesn't have a stop button, a mute button, a pause button. There's no volume on him. We've looked; it's nowhere. <laughs> he does not stop. And and the thing that what makes this really ironic too is, if you know him, you also know that he struggles with speech. What a combination. Right, so he. He struggles in his speech, and over the last few years he's gone to speech therapy and he's you know he's gotten a little better. But he's got a long way to go, if I'm being honest. If you've had a conversation with Shep, you've smiled a lot, and your heart was filled with this holy charm. I don't know what it is, he just he can captivate an entire room. But at the same time, you've had no idea what he said to you. And if you're lucky. Katie or myself, if you're even luckier, our son Liam or Grayson, we've been around. We're close enough to you that you can do the little like, oh yeah, absolutely, what? And we, and we turn to you and we say, oh yeah, he wants to tell you that he just got a big boy room. We just converted his whole room to a big boy room and he got a rug and a new bed and curtains and we moved things around and we brought his table up. He's telling you everything. Most of, he got a big boy room. Or, you, want, you know, if you're wearing clear-framed glasses, for all of you out there, he wants to tell you that he, too, wears clear-framed glasses. So, you know, just, it's one of those types of things. You can always say, oh, yeah, that's awesome, and then turn away. It's fine. <clears throat> but the, re- the thing is, Katie and I and our boys, we've spent so much time with Shep. Day in and day out, we're listening to him talk. We've, at times, had no idea what he's saying, but we've learned his language. We speak Shep. And so when he's talking to you and we're around, we have no problem translating for you because we know that he speaks a different language than the rest of us. If we want to know the Holy Spirit's language, we've got to spend time. We've got to spend time hearing it, receiving it, hiding it, memorizing it, letting it seep into the depths of our hearts. How else would we know it? You don't know Shep's language because we've translated it to you a couple times. And even with Shep, if you haven't met him, you guys need to meet him. He's, he's hysterical. Even with Shep, we still struggle. He's trying so hard. We still try. But man, there's just sometimes that we have no idea what he's saying. And we, we go through the words, we go through the sounds that he's making, and and the poor guy, he gets so frustrated. I mean, angry. He gets, uh, throws a fit. Because he wants to be heard. He wants to be understood. And, what's frust- and we're frustrated, honestly. We're, we're at our wits end sometimes because we want to help him. We want to understand what he's saying, but we just, we're not in there. We're not in his mind. We have no idea what he's saying. And, and yet we still fight and we still do what it takes to understand what Shep is saying because we love him. And we want him to be heard. We want him to be understood. You know, sometimes we struggle to understand this. We struggle to understand the Holy Spirit's language and we, we give up. It's too hard. I, I have no idea what it's saying. I'm so lost. The difference is, is the one who's speaking this language loves you more than you'll ever know. And he desires to make clear to you these words, if we would just press on, join a Bible study, find a mentor, Uh, start discipleship with someone else who can pour into you, press on and understand the Holy Spirit's language. So here's some questions for us. What fills in your blank? You don't have to say it out loud. I tried, it's not gonna happen. What fills in your blank? What word or words fills in your blank today? Do you understand the Holy Spirit's language? If if you were to go home right now and minister to yourself, do you know what the Holy Spirit would say to you? Do you know the Holy Spirit's language? And finally, what do you believe about the gospel? See, whether we approach our sin through perfectionism or apathy or anything else, it'll greatly skew our view of the gospel. We might see it as incomplete. We might see it as weightless, as unnecessary. But we won't see it for what it is a way set apart for every man, woman, and child to come to a loving relationship with the God of the universe. We'll miss it. Do you know the gospel? It'd be foolish to spend any time in the church like this and think that everyone here knows the gospel. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time that you're hearing that that God created all things and that man in himself sinned and thus separated man from God. But God being a loving and holy father who he is, sent his son Jesus from heaven to live as fully man and fully God on this earth, a perfect life, that you and I could never live. To die a death that every single one of us deserved and yet if we were to die it ourselves, we would not have come close, we would not have come close to satisfying the wrath of God. And yet Jesus himself took our sin to the cross, nailed, beaten, died, and in exchange gives us his righteousness. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard that because of that, we are free. We are free and we have an eternal life in heaven with the holy God. Whatever your answer is, however you answered any of these questions, I just wanna encourage you to talk to somebody. Don't, don't leave here without opening up a conversation. That'd be the biggest mistake you could make. Talk to the person you came with. Talk to your friend. Talk to your pastor. Talk to anyone in the room with a name tag. I'll be up front. Talk to somebody and open up the conversation of what it looks like to fully live in the freedom and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and not take it for granted. And let the Holy Spirit speak into that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are almighty. You're creator of all things. You are love and grace and kindness. And Father, I I confess to you the foolishness of my heart to ever believe that I I could do what Christ already did for me. I confess that at times I have looked at sin and, and thought nothing of it. Oh God, I'm so, so sorry for the just the lies I've allowed to seep into my heart that have allowed me to view the gospel in, in such a way. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way that you graciously embrace us and call us to holiness and you make a way for us to enjoy you more. Fill our hearts, God, with your grace Allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to strengthen us, to equip us, and where we need it, to convince us, or to convict us. Apart from you, God, we have nothing. And yet in you, we have everything. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.